You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 484. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our journey with the Prime Video series, The Peripheral. Tonight, we've got Michael R. in the virtual studio, and uh, Michael, great to have you once again. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, I have been away from podcasting in general, but certainly uh, talking to you two as well, so it's good yeah. to be joining you for this one. Yeah, yeah my- awesome to have you aboard. Yep. Uh, Michael was with us in May of 2021 for that witches roundtable that you may remember if you were listening to the podcast back then. And and a lot of you know Michael from you know podcasts that the two of us did, uh, Continuum, Agents of Shield. Uh, he got me involved with Den of Geek, and and while my time there is kind of waned, he's still going strong. What are you doing these days for Den of Geek? Well, now I edit the podcasts. Of which I do not host. So there's a Marvel podcast, a, a DC podcast, and then a paranormal podcast that I put together for them. Now, are you reviewing anything written? Um, I'm about to do a press conference for Manifest Season 3 tomorrow. So I'll be writing a little bit about that. But that's not my favorite show, so I, I begged off doing reviews for that show. You mean, and, season, and general, you mean season 4? Season 4, I'm, for, I'm yeah. sorry. Season so. four, yeah, and and I've been away from reviewing in general. Actually, it's been mostly just one-off features these days in terms of writing, but I still get to dabble every now and then, so it's fun. Yeah, yeah you know, for me, it got to be a little too much like work. And <laughs> once the shows I was covering over, you know, for a number of years ended, uh, you know, I know if I had contacted our editor, I probably could have hooked up with something, but I thought, eh, I'll just. I'll just let it go for now. So uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, it was, it's, it certainly was a lot of fun uh, doing that stuff. But anyway, all right, well, dude, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Ordinarily, yeah, uh, Wayne and I would talk about what we're watching, but we've got two episodes to talk about. And, you know, Wayne, we should have predicted this would happen, even though by all accounts, they were going to go one episode at a time, just the pilot. But Given what they did with Lord of the Rings, we should have anticipated this. And two episodes, like when you're like watching it more than once and taking notes and everything, that's a pretty, I discovered it was pretty, pretty tough task. Yeah. I mean, Michael, you yeah. and I have talked about this. Wayne, you know, you and I have talked about it. And, and that's really, you know, in some cases, now you guys are still working. So <laughs> your, your lives are a little <laughs> bit busier than mine. But we kind of look forward to those extended fight scenes, even though I'm not a big fan of them, but as a podcaster, they're easy to take notes for. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wasn't a whole lot of that in this one. Well, there, I guess no. the, in episode two there was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's get to it. The peripheral based on a novel by William Gibson, which came out in 2014, his 13th book. And, you know, I, I was surprised. Now, Michael, you've read this book. Yes. Okay. Well, many Wayne, years ago, so I'm a little fuzzy, but okay. Now, Wayne, I don't. I think you said you had I, not. And I have I, not read it, and I have not either. So, uh, Michael, will I want to read it now, though? Like after these two episodes, but no. Well, for some back. context, they have. Uh, you know, Williams Gibson is known for his cyberpunk, of course, the romancer and the like. Many years before this one, he kind of got away from that, as you could probably tell. Um, this series, there's still technological elements to it. But it's definitely not the 
cyberspace uh, Tron <laughs> thrill rides. Well, you know of his earlier writing career. Well, you know it, it's funny you say that, and and you know before we get into that, the one thing I was surprised about is that the novel it was mostly favorable reviews, but but there were a lot that were less than favorable. But the series, you know, Wayne, you and I talked about this. It was developed by Westworld creators Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, beginning in 2018. And filming for this one began in May of 2021. So this episode is titled Pilot. Both one and two are written by Scott B. Smith, who's also a showrunner. Uh, he's a novelist who wrote a horror novel called The Ruins, which I understand is popular, though I've never heard of it. Both directed by Vincenzo Natali, who's directed episodes of Westworld, Lost in Space, Orphan Black, American Gods. Released October 21st, 2022. So uh, cyberpunk, I mean, see, I guess I always look at cyberpunk as this low life, high tech where yeah. you've got guys that are living on the periphery, yet it's a high tech world. So for me, this feels very cyberpunky, not like neuromancer that you know you mentioned or the matrix or blade runner Runner, but still for me it 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 feels that way but you know michael first impressions oh i absolutely loved it and i think this particular series uh is so good for a podcast because whenever you can re-watch it and get more out of it which I certainly did. Uh, that's that's the stuff that's really good for discussion in, in podcasts. And of course, the time tra- travel elements pulled me in as well because I wanted to know how they would incorporate that. And they just barely touched on it in episode two, but really liked it. And um, I, I will say I've peeked a little bit ahead a little bit <laughs> in some of the screeners, but you know, some of my impressions may be colored somewhat by the the additional episodes that I've seen. But it really started out good for me and is continuing to be great uh, so far. I'm about halfway through. Yeah, like rewatch us. What's that show that had four letters in the name, Wayne? That that you, you, you <laughs> uh, like to do rewatches? Uh, I forget, yeah. but uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I've lost my memory there for a second. But uh, <laughs> Wayne, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Though I did not appreciate you trying to sneak that lost reference in there. But that actually. Reminds me of something I, I won't. I will only one time refer to Westworld. I'm going to try and keep it okay. to this <laughs> because I don't. I, I always like that's my beef with with Lost is that some podcasters are so into Lost that every they they talk about it for you know completely unrelated things. You know they just can't bring it up. Um, and I know obviously because Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan are you know the executive producers for this one, it's easy to say, oh, it's just like Westworld, just like Westworld. So there's only one time that I really saw a strong Westworld connection. But um, I, I, I thought it was great, uh, especially the pilot. Not saying episode two wasn't as good an episode, but I think you know pilots. We've always talked about how what you have to do with a pilot, right? You've got to build a world. You have to exposition of all your main characters and conflicts and stuff and still make it interesting and compelling to watch, you know, and and that is a difficult thing to do that not a lot of shows do very well. A lot of times the pilot has too much exposition and and it's 
boring or, or there's not enough. You don't know what's going on. Or sometimes the uh, network shows the the second show episode first, and you'll know what the heck's going on. But um, but I thought it was uh, really really skillfully done. Uh, some really cool things happening here, and you know obviously enough of a a mystery in this story to you know you know guess trying to guess what the heck's happening here. Well, yeah, and and the opening scene, which takes place in London, 2099, we're introduced to Alita, played by Sophia Ally, and Wilf, played by Gary Carr. And, you know, he's on the park bench watching, which we pretty much know is some sort of virtual reality recreation of a 18th century naval battle. But still, it was really cool. You guys have any thoughts on these humongous statues that we see dotted throughout the city are they just there to look cool or do you think there's something there well i think there's um a couple of really close bypasses that you'll see the camera gets a little bit closer to them and you can see fans spinning i'm guessing there's some sort of air scrubbers uh future disaster or something like that environmental concerns that kind of thing and they've just kind of made them look pretty or tried to make them look pretty because they're probably pretty huge eyesores otherwise okay that's my guess yeah. Okay, and that makes well, sense. Also, they were very reminiscent of you know, like classical Greek sculpture. You know, like they looked like you know they were around the the you know the Parthenon or something. Yeah, now, like a discus thrower and a couple. Yeah, of yeah. Right now, you know, the name Alita is relatively unusual. So I looked it up, and it originated in a 1923 science fiction novel titled Alita by Alexei Tolstoy, not leo tolstoy but apparently he's a distant relative and it means starlight seen for the last time so i don't know if it's any kind of a connection other than at, at some point uh, william gibson thought oh that's a cool name i'll use it for my character in the novel and you know that's probably more than likely the case at, at this point but you know this first episode establishes Flynn and Burton because once we get to 2032 in the Blue Ridge Mountains, you know, Wayne, you and I talked about open range. We don't really see any sci-fi shows that take place on a ranch in, in, in you know, the, the upper West. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, we don't really see many take place. in. I think this is Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. I think I looked up the... The, the county that the, the police car, you know, is from. And I think they're in yeah. Alabama. So, you know, we've certainly got that. But but it establishes Flynn and Burton as these high-end gamers. We don't know why she's abandoned gaming, which she apparently has. But what I like about this, and, and you know, the both of us, you know, all three of us, we've talked about shipping angles in shows that we've covered and talked about and discussed and all of that and what i really like here is that we don't really have a shipping angle we've got this brother and sister dynamic which to me is equally maybe even more compelling than usual and you know i mean it's not game of thrones so we're probably not going to see brother sister sex here um at least hopefully not (laughs) uh but I, I just really am fascinated with, you know, the, this dynamic that the two of them have. And then when you throw in their mother and the fact that she's got this brain tumor that has, we assume, caused her to go blind. You know, that's one of the things in it's probably in the second episode. And, Michael, we're, we'll 
probably just jump all around here the way we yeah, usually yeah. do. <laughs> you know, it, it obviously Flynn knows her mother's blind, but she seems surprised to find out about the tumor. So I, did I miss something here? Well, she thought that it was something that was benign, temp- temporary, benign. Yeah, exactly. She hadn't been told the whole truth about what was causing it. Okay. So the tumor was a mystery, like some kind of, as far as she was concerned, it was just a degenerative problem her mother was going through that her doctor was saying could be treated, you know, didn't think it was fatal at all. You know, because I, I guess then I go back and, and not to belabor it because I don't think it's probably all that important that what did she think? caused her mother's blindness so um you know but the world building it's really funny because you know when we go to 2099 and london and 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 you know we're in lev's house and everything's high tech and it's cool and and the people are dressed cool and and you know and then we go back to flynn and burton and they live in this shabby house he lives in this terrible looking trailer and then you go inside and he's like okay well he's got some high-end gear there and and we're 10 years into the future for us in in 2022 i guess what always strikes me is that she's riding this high-tech futuristic bicycle and all the cars look the same Yeah, and, too expensive to gussy up the cars, I guess. <laughs> and I get that. And and I guess maybe as the the showrunner, you just figure the hell with it. They 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 get it. So they got some Audi product placement. Yeah, no kidding. No, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. The uh, criminals, the guys that had the stealth cars at Audis. Yeah, and you know the thing that I really liked about that scene when when the uh, the police or the deputy Tommy he's driving along and it's like okay whoa wait a minute what did he see did he see like a dead body on the side of the road no he saw that (laughs) coffee cup rookie mistake and criminals of the well no i guess they're they're criminals of the present but they've been given some high-tech stuff yeah or is that that a different group but you know to be fair they probably thought they were going to come back to drink that coffee which is probably the the arrogance (laughs) there of them um because they all died right they all got killed trying to uh you know take out burton and and uh and his buddies yeah and And his buddies buddies. right and and i guess one of the things that i also found fascinating is that tommy you know the deputy i mean he doesn't seem like the fact that these vehicles have cloaking technology is any big deal i mean he you know when he goes to uh talk to Burton about the bullet that he found and he points it out and just, you know, has some, you know, pretty fancy cloaking technology, but you know, not like what the hell was, you know, so I found that he's pretty more concerned with the bullet than he is with the car. Yeah. 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 Well, as it's, you know, 10 years in the future, it's entirely possible that this technology is not something unheard of, you know? Right now, because uh, you're right. He doesn't act surprised. I would be like, holy shit. Oh my God. You see this? Yeah. Like, he's but, more concerned uh, with not being invited to the party that right, is right. clearly going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, it's funny it, again, you know, uh, Wayne and I, during our podcast, I'll mention that I, I really have no clue as to what shows that I watch that my wife will like as well. And I can't tell you how many times it's a, it's a show that uh, like I never thought she would like Game of Thrones. She loved it. 
you know, house. So here she, okay, fine. I'll watch this first episode with you. We get to the end and she's like, yeah, I don't know. And then the <laughs> next day it's like, is there a second episode? Can we watch it? Like, so, okay. Yes. Well, in that sense, it's good that they did two episodes because I think that they work better together. Uh, as a story, like there's much more of a hook as good as the pilot was. Cause like Wayne said, lots of exposition and action to get you hooked, but having the, the uh, explanation of what's going on with the peripheral, which doesn't play, take place until episode two. I think that's a pretty good thing to include as, as your initial hook for an audience. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I've got that, you know, in my auxiliary notes here that, that I wanted to bring up because when Flynn, you know, goes to you know see Lev uh, in twenty. Now I think at that point they say it's twenty one hundred, but maybe they're just estimating. But you know, whatever twenty ninety nine. It makes sense because twenty ninety nine is the opening scene where where um, Wilf is getting a visit from a peripheral version of Alita in a kid's body, right? A kid's uh, peripheral, like the kid version of herself. So that happened a year prior to this because he was setting her up for uh, a mission that apparently ended up getting her involved with a research institute. So I do think it's 2100 now, 20, 2099 in the initial scene. Okay. So, you know, when Flynn is there in 2100 and, and so what have they done? Have they created a body that her mm-hmm. data inhabits? Is that, I mean, so, so basically because what I was getting at uh, you know, Michael, you and I have talked about branch timelines a lot with shows like Continuum. And this is why I'm here. This is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and and they're talking about branch timelines. And what I love is that then after about maybe 30 seconds, it's like, yeah, we even we don't understand it. It's not important. Let's move <laughs> on. And, and I'm like, good. Thank you. We're, I'm not the yeah. only one. They just call <laughs> it. A, give the term the stub, which is that branch timeline. And then they, he starts to explain that anytime someone goes back to, to change things in the past, new branch forms, and they're just like, that's, that's enough. Yep. <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It'll become clear later. Well, um, and, and that's another thing that, like what we've already kind of touching on, is that every time we flash forward to the future or whatever, they, we have to like use context clues to figure out when we are, you know, because, you know, we see the scene of Wilf kind of like recruiting Alita and then, you know, later, which happened earlier for us, but later is when Alita, you know, recruits Flynn for this heist or whatever. And then later, even later on, Alita is brought in by uh, Lev and Wilf to try and find Alita. So does say Alita, I mean, Flynn, I can't remember. I don't know. Flynn is brought on. So, but the, these, it doesn't happen in that order for us. So it's kind of, you know, like other shows that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan have done, where they are <laughs> kind of like, you know, kind of tumbling around the uh, the chronology for us, and and uh, we're never a hundred percent sure of well, we should, when we, when we say are. That Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan have as much to do with this as J.J. Abrams had to do with Lost, right? Which is which is not much, not much, right? Right. The, uh, I mean, obviously, um, Scott B. Smith is a is a new showrunner. He's barely written anything but but greg plageman isn't on board for this i talked to both of them for den of geek for an interview they didn't tell me much then we mostly ended up talking about fluff's material but you could tell that greg who is 
the known as his his role as showrunner of person of interest that's the vibe i get from this is the, the in terms of the skipping around in time and flashbacks and stuff it's the same kind of way that that show operated as well more so than westworld i think yeah well, see, I didn't. I said I was only going to say that word once. I didn't say it yet, so I'm still holding my ticket. He's saying it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I know because if I fall into that trap, it's exactly what I complain about with Lost of, of people like trying to everything J.J. Abrams does and has to be you know like directly related to something in Lost, and and I don't see that at all, right? I just, uh, but I I do like that they're jumping around and that, you know, I, I mean, I, I like not being sure, even watching it a second time, still kind of being unsure what exactly is going on. Well, yeah. And yeah, well, I think you have to also, because you mentioned the branch timelines and how that's not really important right now, but at the same time, it really brings up the question, why do people in the future care about what's going on in a past that will not correct anything in their own timeline because clearly there's been some sort of catastrophe there's very few people wandering around london they're giving parties in buckingham palace so obviously there's been some kind of population drain but it's not going back in time to fix that because they can't fix things in a branched timeline that's going right. to just affect that future so i think it must be something with exploiting the past somehow getting something from the past uh that they can use but I, I do remember there was an element of that in the novel but i'm really excited to see how they play with time travel in, in a very new way because it's not like continuum where you're going back to you know fix the downfall of civilization in 2077 you know this is this is more of an exploitation of the past but they're holding their cards close to the vest even even um lev will not tell wilf what it is they're doing he said this is one of those things <laughs> right you don't want to ask too many questions about the the, the bad knowledge and good knowledge yeah, right exactly exactly right and you know i forget who it is that speaks to the the idea of time travel that well this really isn't time travel your your body's not going from 2032 to 2099 it's really just data transfer yeah, it's a conduit, right. quantum tunnel. Okay, so a, again, we don't. Which wanna... shows that you can put the word quantum in front of anything, <laughs> and that just explains whatever crazy technology you got. Just say quantum, like okay, because no one knows what that is. Well, you know, I, it, what I started thinking about was travelers, and yeah, 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 they're or not sending meat. right. They're not sending their bodies. They're sending data. So this idea of data being able to time travel is you know clearly not new in in sci-fi television so um, especially since they always talk about wormholes you can't get them big enough to transmit a a spaceship or a human body without being crushed but you can squeeze through some zeros and ones right and makes sense right and and you know i i mentioned earlier about the brother sister dynamic and and we you like i said we're establish early on that the two of them are high-end gamers to the point where he earns a living uh i i guess <laughs> playing games for other people and and you know reaching levels i again i i never understood why somebody would do that but i'm sure it's a thing michael you it know, is a thing it is know. a thing <laughs> uh, but you know whatever um i guess the other thing i don't understand is we see her playing his avatar so how do they know it's her as opposed to Burton? 
that they want? Is it from they, the fact two different that they, groups? Oh, two different groups. So uh, Alita was recruiting Burton. Okay. But Lev was recruiting Flynn. Okay. And, and she says, I saw something I wasn't supposed to. Again, did I miss what it was she saw? Or do we just not know what it is she saw? Did she see well, something at that party? Stuck her eyeball in that, in that thing. Yeah. Okay. But um, we don't know what that is. I don't know that she knows what that is. They just kind of used the eyeball of the person that they uh, you know, kidnapped from that party to access the research institute they went into the depths of this this place this research institute and scanned it into something that shot a laser into her eye so that's all we're gonna get for now you know i felt i felt bad because as soon as you know you see them swabbing his eye i'm like oh they're gonna you know i I was saying to my wife they're gonna extract his eye and they're gonna use it to get in somewhere and then of course did they need to do that after she got into the because they had done that while the ai was in charge of the peripheral (laughs) yeah and my wife's like oh my god you're you you know you're so smart i'm like yeah as if we haven't seen that about a hundred times in different (laughs) well to 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 speak to to michael's point i think that's actually a good point because i don't think she could have done it when the peripherals in ai mode because i think the point of it was for Flynn to undergo that extreme pain and yet use the knowledge that it wasn't really her body to not have a heart attack and die. Oh, like the Matrix, yeah. Yeah, right? So, um, Mind so, over matter. They called it a nucleation. So yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe that has to Yeah, I meant to look that word up because I didn't know what that meant either. <laughs> so well, what do we know about this research institute? A.K.A. Rebirth and, Innova- rebirth and Innovation. Or what was the other thing they she came up they, with? They another. had three names for it, yeah. Some, yeah. Something that was snarky that you, you know it's not really what uh, you know what it actually. I read this as these are the guys that are either organized crime or the people in charge, the shady people in charge. Whereas Lev and his crew are uh, wealthy opportunists, maybe, or or certainly people who are trying to get one up on the research institute, but. I get the sense that they are um, a shady organization that has some sort of official stamp because they're called the Research Institute. So they're they're doing shady things, but they might have uh, an outwardly facing official uh, status. So do the, I mean, they have whales there. So I mean, that's like you know, one thing. If there's no more bananas in 2032, like what's maybe this is like the only whale around or something. Yeah. Now, do the two groups know about each other? Oh yeah, because okay. uh, the the bald lady who I, whose name I don't remember, but she's the the big bad, I guess. The yeah, lady in charge. She was. Yeah, we'll have to look her up real quick, but she is basically the um, Charisse. Charisse, yes, the, the the head honcho of. This. But I think of her almost as like a mob boss more than a administrator of a, an organization. Yeah, you know, she seems like an enforcer of sorts. They're definitely a dodgy organization for sure. Um, but I'm not getting like the plucky rebel vibe from Lev and his crew, you know? No, not. But they know so, about Alita. They know that Alita might have been working for some outsourced group. Right. She had been working with the Research Institute as kind of a plant, maybe, or somebody on the inside. Do you get that yeah. sense? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, we should, yeah, because she was, well, she was there first before Wilf recruited her, right? Because when yeah. Wilf is talking to her, like, She's like, we need you to do something at your job or something like that. Okay, uh, but, okay. 
but yeah, but who knows, right? I mean, this is there's there's so much that's just I have questions about that. Uh, right. I mean, find Alita West. Well, okay, why? Why? <laughs> and where'd she go after she got whatever she? I mean, did she get after she deserted me? Right after she left me to die she, to save her own bacon, like. Yeah, I'd Did like she to get find something her. from because if she scanned the whatever it was that weird device in the, in the bowels of the research institute, did she get what she needed from Flynn, or is it still part of that the eyeball? Like, did she have to go back yeah. and pull the eyeball out of the of the pearl? I don't, I don't know how she got what she needed, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to assume that she got something out of that counter. Yeah. Um, well, at the end of the episode, we learn there's a nine million dollar bounty on Flynn's head. And I, I guess by extension, uh, Burton and her mother as well. And, and, you know, Wilf is like, well, yeah, but you know, I can't help you unless you sign in again. And, you know, she wants no part of it. And, and she goes home and her brother and her, his friends are sitting around drinking beer. And they basically laugh off the idea that there would be a $9 million bounty on them. Now, on the one hand, okay, fine. I get that. On the other hand, look at what they know. The haptics that they all have installed, I'm assuming those were implanted when they were all in the military together. Because, because, you know, we know that at least some of them were in the military and, and I, I don't know if this is how Connor lost his legs and his arm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. They right. were part yeah. of a elite. They, it was in the book, too. I remember they were in the Marine Corps. It was called the Haptic Recon Unit. And they basically, the paraplegic situation came from a decision that Burton made. I think he has a certain amount of guilt about it, right? Is that the impression yeah, that it, you guys got? As if he had an inkling that something might happen and did not act on it. Well, and that's There's what they say. The that's past. what the the one guy right. brings up. Like, hey, you know how your sister just came in and said something and we didn't believe her? Doesn't this kind of remind you of when we learned something and we didn't act on it and then Connor got blown up? Uh, so, so, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And again, that makes perfect sense. And and then again, the, the episode ends and they should call episode two War is Coming. Oh, no, that's the other show that uh, season two war is coming. They should have called episode two. How many seconds did it take for you to hit the next episode button? Yeah, no kidding. But and and episode two is entitled The Empathy Bonus, which as I'm watching, you know, the you know, the beginning of this episode, I'm like, all right, well, I, I like that title. I, I don't know what it means. And of course, we find out later what it means and you know it's an interesting concept that that i i guess every rpg player uh, i guess approaches things differently i mean you know i as i've told probably both of you the only video game i play is a, is a driving simulator and <laughs> you, i mean you get guys that all they want to do is crash people and okay fine i guess if that's what i'm going to try to stay away from you but um, you know, but, but for her, it's let the sheep out, you know, when they're trying to kill Nazis and that's what reveals the tractor, which has the map that they are looking for in the game. And, and, and Burton brings that up to her later. And, and, you know, I, again, at this point, 
it, it doesn't really play a role in the story, you know, at large, but we assume that her empathic nature is that right? Empathic. Yeah. Well, it's, sure. it speaks yeah. to her Nate, her character. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's very thematic that, you know, the hero, so to speak is Flynn because she has that empathic way of looking at the world. And that's where they're going to find the solution. Probably even though Burton is trying to be pragmatic and say, listen, there's not always going to be a tractor. Real life doesn't give you an empathy bonus like a, like a video game yeah. would. Right. But that, that firefight that begins the second episode and we see that you know these haptics allow them to be i i guess sort of like a hive mind which mm-hmm. uh, you know as if they can i guess send each other brain signals you know impulses whatever that uh, you know instead of having to say hey on your left i i guess it just it just well and they can also uh, access the drones so they can see where all the bad guys are from above as well right which again i find fascinating about this story and again you know all our listeners in alabama i I don't mean to uh you know but but you get the idea that these guys are you know not necessarily hillbillies but rather unsophisticated young men and then of course we see that they're highly sophisticated in their technical knowledge uh clearly they've been trained you know as soldiers which isn't really a big surprise but uh, you know they've got a lot more going for them than i think you know i i initially gave them credit for and i think it turns out one of them's their cousin right the guy that the one that wins the lottery (laughs) lucas i believe was yeah yeah so um but but i thought that was definitely cool so again, you know, I, I'm still trying to get a handle on things, and we've we've talked about Lev, and you know, we talked about that encounter at his place when Wilf introduces, you know, Flynn, you know, to Lev, and you know, obviously uh, want to find, you know, find Alita, but she's our, and they realize she's our best chance at finding Alita. Well, why isn't? burton their best chance or is it that burton's recruited by the other side i mean or or is it just that flynn's better at what she does than burton well the the reason they picked burton was because he got to level 107 except he really didn't right because uh, Flynn. flynn did that right so the gamer that alita is looking for is is flynn not uh not burton right so but it does beg the question, how did you know, Lev and his crew know it was her, uh, whereas the original recruitment by Alita was for Burton, specifically? So, you know, there's definitely more to be learned about Lev, and not just Lev, but Ash, who's very cool, and uh, the, one of his henchmen, and I can't remember the other dude's name. That's uh, Ocean. Ocean, yeah. No. He uh, speaks in... in uh, cryptid language at one point which i thought yeah. was really cool there so like, michael you've seen the actress who plays ash before i bet because if she was in the harry potter movies she was cho chang harry's first love interest oh really all i knew is yeah. that she had voiced um caitlin in arcane which was the, the the animated series on netflix that i just love 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 still is one of my favorites of 2021 but um but yeah okay she, yeah, I just I, I recognize her voice. Like I, I mean, she's much older, obviously, but yeah. uh, she, she's got really that beautiful Scottish accent. I, I was like, 
I, I was like, that sounds like the lady who played JoJ. And it was. I was like, cool. Right. So she's got a Welsh or Scottish accent in those shows as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Harry Potter, she definitely does. It's, it kind of surprises you the first time you hear, hear yeah. her speak. You know, one of the things that I jotted down, why Lev's people were in 2032. See, see again, uh, you know, you, we, we all said we watched it a second time and, <laughs> and Wayne, I'm, I'm starting to think when we get to next week and we've only got one episode, I'm really going to probably need to watch it a third time, but you might have to, yeah, but I, I probably should go back and rewatch these two uh, again, because again, I'm still, you know, you guys are definitely helping me out here, figuring out what it is. I actually, watched i'm anticipating what you're gonna say which is that where do these henchmen come from from the second round of attacks yeah those uh, are those are those they're from milagros cold iron i would imagine so the, the way i remember it from the book is that they could set up corporations in the past and milagros cold iron was the one that gave burton the, the contract to begin with to test out this new headgear you know uh, to see if the tech was okay and and so I imagine there's this whole organization set up in the past that has regular communication with uh, the boss. Because you know, if you think about it, you could have virtual communication that is coming from the future and not tell them that. It could just be like a, a Zoom call of the future. Because the way that the the guy from Research Institute hacks into the virtual reality sim of the criminal boss of the town is very similar to what they might do, <laughs> you know, from Milagro's Cold Iron's point of view, so that's what I'm guessing is that there's there's a set, but but then that begs the question: what are they doing versus what the people that were hired by the research institute that, by just putting up an ad on the dark web? I feel like that's that's a different level of professionalism on this group, right? And again, we still don't really have a great handle on the the traveling back and forth between the two times, and, and you know. Are they traveling, you know, from 2099 or 2100 now? Are they going anywhere in between? Uh, you know, right now we just see 2032 and and 20, uh, 2100. Um, yeah. But have they been doing it for longer and and will they continue to do it? Yeah, that's true. They could theory, go back to any point in the past, any right. stub as it were. Right. And as, as like you said at the beginning, we don't really know what's going on, though. We suspect that there's some sort of disaster that they're trying to clean up. And, and you know, you mentioned seeing 2100 London and there aren't people around and everybody's partying at Buckingham Palace. But do we know that's really Buckingham Palace? I, you know, what I'm starting to think is, oh, is this some sort of a virtual reality image that we're seeing uh, or i think or, it's the real thing okay you think okay yeah and here's the other thing too alita the young alita at the in the opening scene of episode one says to wilf that you know she's out to save the world and he goes well the world really can't be saved why don't mean our world so it's right like, it's almost right. like she's trying to save a stub some version of the world where the whatever it is that happened so that requires all these air scrubbers uh, and population decimation. I mean, some sort of pandemic, fixed. I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, b because the buildings are not destroyed. We we assume it's not some sort of a nuclear holocaust, right? Which doesn't leave a whole lot of other options. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I guess I would go with that. But but getting back to you know that that scene that we talked about when they're at Lev's and and he's like when a party from our present made contact with the past and he explains about the branch timelines. 
And Flynn's, you know, really cuts to the chase. Well, what are you up to in our world? And I wonder if they are underestimating Flynn. And I'm thinking, all right, do they underestimate her because she's a woman? Do they underestimate her because she's young? Do they underestimate her because, you know, she's from Alabama, all of the above? Obviously, it's a huge mistake to underestimate her. Well, they gave her the drug to help her mom. Yeah, they did. So they're did. probably trying to catch, they're trying to use the carrot before the stick. But yeah, you're right. She does bargain quite a bit. Right. Not telling you anything until, you know. Well, the other thing that, again, I understand, again, we have all talked about this in the course of different podcasts, that, that from a narrative perspective, you got to speed things up a little bit. Uh, he shows her the newspaper with her mother's obituary. Yeah, like that's not easy to fake. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, I think what really upset her was also uh, Tommy's wedding announcement was on the same page. Was it? it? I didn't see that. Yeah. She's kind of messed up having both those things on the same page. Yeah. I I love her friend. It's like, yeah, if I was you, I'd just go for it. I'm like, okay. And it's funny because that was one of the, the plot details that my wife didn't pick up on. Um, You know, she got that there was some kind of a connection between uh, Flynn and Tommy, but I, I think she kind of had it backwards that Tommy was coming on to her. I'm like, nah, you, they're just good friends. And, and yeah, okay, was he flirting a little bit? Ah, maybe, but. I assume that's set up for something later because I really didn't feel that hook at all. There was no chemistry there. No, but, right. You, know, you right. can only do so much. <laughs> right, right. Well, the chemistry definitely wasn't there, but Billy Ann talks, I think it was Billy Ann, right? I knew Billy. But, uh, you know, she talks about a lot how. Um, that Flynn is, is pining after Tommy and she even gives her some pickup lines that she actually uses at the party at Buckingham palace. Yeah, like, I, 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 the second time I caught, I didn't catch it the first time. The second time I'm like, Oh, she's using the same lines that her friend told her to use on Tommy. Right. And she's hilarious. using them as her brother, you know, when she's yeah. playing his avatar, <laughs> she seemed to enjoy the uh, kiss a little bit. Uh, Definitely more than you would expect. I think, <laughs> You know, well, that's also funny that you mentioned because, like, the one thing when she jumps in to play the video game at the beginning of episode one, you know, as she's as her character is looking around in the game, you know, she actually is looking around in real life as well. But when she, you know, has the I don't, what do we call this thing she puts on her head? I don't know, harness, uh, the harness, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, when she's through the quantum tunnel, her body doesn't really move at all like her eye just you know just her eyes underneath her lids move yeah it's like she's got sleep paralysis yeah she's, in, she's using that thing that shows you how high tech that that device is versus the uh, <laughs> right video yeah, gaming yeah. helmet <laughs> you know the other thing that strikes me has to do with her mother's medication and how you know a lot of what the two siblings are doing is to earn enough money to pay for the medication and apparently it's cheaper to go to the local drug dealer than it is to go to pharma john yeah and you would think 10 years down the road we'd have made much more significant progress in lowering the cost of medication but apparently not well apparently there's still a republican party 10 years in the future okay so (laughs) might that foreshadow the disaster to come 
Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but uh, good point. But yeah, but I mean, that's I, I love that that comment they're making there that they had to pay a thousand dollars for a single pill. You know, it does just speak to the ludicrous state of healthcare in this country, where you know people, the often people who are most in need of healthcare can't afford it. It's just, right. Right. Uh, and, and Corbell Pickett, who's the, you know, I, I guess the head of the local drug syndicate. And I mean, boy, talk about sleazy and slippery. But I, I love the scene when he's at his house and he's got his high end VR rig and he's in a, you know, 50s, 60s uh, Havana nightclub. And OK, cool. We know exactly, you know, you know, this is much lower tech than what you know, Flynn is using, but, but still, and then he gets that offer of $10 million to eliminate two members of your community. And he's like, what are you Homeland security? I love the fact that he doesn't fall for it as much as $10 million, right? He's even shown the money, virtual money, but yeah. yeah right, right. Yeah. And then he, you know, here's his phone alert and he's got a $2.5 million down payment. So I love this wife of his too. She's completely like, "Oh, would you have fun down there in the basement with your sex toys?" Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't care. He's all for yeah. it. But yeah, they they uh, he definitely is going to have a dilemma on his hand because on the one hand he's getting the money to do something, but at the same time he doesn't like not being the one in control. I think right. And now what? So now is he going to feel you know some sort of a pressure to? carry this out is he going to i don't i don't know how do you return virtual money i guess it's paypal or whatever um well, they've been mowed it to him there <laughs> yeah, there we go yeah. so i guess he can figure out how to do it but my guess is now that he's got two and a half million in his account the lore of the other 7.5 will be too strong that yeah 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 that he will well, I, I don't think he needs a lot of yeah, yeah. Convincing to want to kill Burton and and no, Flynn no. in the first place. He's like, oh shit, I was going to do that anyway. Like, all right, thanks for the money, you know. But yeah, like this guy's he was when he when he was like you know left his video game. These I don't know what they would call it, like the sensor pads or something. He's got like on his arms and he had one on his crotch too. Yeah, yeah I did exactly. notice that. <laughs> yeah, he gets the feedback everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> So, but also he did give uh, you know quite a bit of uh, of a tongue lashing to his nephew, I guess it was, because of the encounter with the, the single pill. Like we just don't do business that way. And then he let was it um, Connor? I guess stepped in, and and you know Corbell was not happy with the way that that went down because yeah, I mean he, he didn't just, have the upper hand. You're underestimating somebody you clearly should not underestimate. Yeah, well, that scene because he's like, we need to talk about the bullying, and you're like, oh, this guy's made pretty cool. He's gonna, you know, <laughs> give it to <laughs> these guys for 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 bullying, right? Yeah, you know, like you shouldn't bully the girl, and like, oh no, he's mad that they got bullied by Connor, and you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, did he, either of you guys see the series Banshee? No, I did not. No, I know okay. it. Oh, it's a great series, by the way. But uh, one one of the the drug dealers, uh, the, the the one guy that tried to get up and walk away, and he told him to sit back down. He he he's like this, you know, white supremacist Nazi guy in in Banshee that uh, 
Yeah, yeah, fairly important character, but I did recognize him there. So what do we got at this point? Uh, I mean, obviously, another war is on the horizon, you know, because we, we, we kind of know that that Corbell Pickett is going to try to take the siblings out. And my guess is he's going to hire, you know, woefully unqualified assassins that the team will take out rather easily. But well, especially since now Burton's got a shopping list going. Well, they true. Gave him money too. Right, right, uh, right. Not only are Corbell's people going to be less qualified than the dark web mercs that got hired, but Burton's going to—they're going to be more prepared. Number one, and and they're going to have more gear, more. And in fact, you know, Connor saved the day in episode one, or I guess the beginning of episode two. And, you know, a big part of episode two was basically persuading him to put down the alcohol and suit up. And I think that's going to be therapeutic for him in a way yeah. to, to get back in the fight. Right. I mean, you know, when Burton presents that opportunity to him and he just takes the beer and just, you know, guzzles it down you know, my interpretation is, all right, that's the last one I'm going to have because I'm taking you up yeah. on the offer as opposed to, you know, F you. Uh, so. I, I totally saw it that as an F you. Like, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, what Michael said, obviously is that's what's going to happen is he is going to, you know, join the team and sober up. And yeah, I think there's a good word that this is going to be therapeutic because Connor is, he's a mess, right? It's, he's, he's, he's got, troubles and it's not that he's you know you know because of any physical limitations is you know his big troubles are you know in his head mostly yeah and, i want to and, know what's on burton's shopping list like other yeah, than just guns, right. you know what else is on there <laughs> you know well I, probably like you know maybe some tortillas and peanut butter and stuff like that yeah, <laughs> as opposed to rpgs and uh, <laughs> uh you know and, and in the big picture it's probably not all that important but i think at, at some point uh, Burton and, and the others are, are are going to you know basically own up to what they did that caused Connor to you know to lose his limbs and he's going to like yeah. well I knew that all along and like you did then why didn't you say anything but I, again I don't think it's all that important you know in the big picture so uh, the, you know the last thing I've got and you guys uh, uh, certainly bring up anything you want to but Mama being able to see now is that going to play a big role or, you know, I'm feeling it's just going to gum up the works cause she's going to yeah, get, exactly. get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. If, if she's can see, then she's going to be like, uh, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you got out in that trailer Burton? <laughs> so, you know, on the one hand, every time something like this comes up, invariably they're like totally honest about, whatever is going on and the person they're explaining it to goes, Oh, okay. So (laughs) will mama's reaction be the same? I I don't know. We we don't know how much she knows about her children. We don't know how long she's been blind. So interesting. So what else that we haven't talked about? I think though, the other thing you're talking about with being convinced of stuff, the only people who know about the time travel piece are Flynn and Burton and Flynn was convinced most probably by the medication that her mom took. But Burton was convinced by his cousin winning the lottery to hide the fact that they were getting an influx of cash from the future. <laughs> but yeah. what does the cousin think? And what do the, the rest of the 
you know, the haptic recon group think of what's going on. Like, they'll just be like, oh, someone's trying to kill us? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what well, do they know it, about what's going on? Nothing. Right, right. Because their first reaction is just that, right? Like, oh, someone's coming to get us. All right, let's, you know, let's get, let's get a business, right? Um, but yeah, like, especially with, with I've, I looked at this, Leon is the cousin's name. You know, at first he's just like, oh, no, I've just got super lucky. And then he's just kind <laughs> of like, it kind of dawns on him. So I think he is maybe understanding it uh, now. But, but yeah, like, I don't know how they're going to convince her. Though, of course, saying, hey, you were going to die from a brain tumor and now you're completely cured. We don't really have that tech nowadays. So, you know, she might not be that hard to convince if it push comes to shove. All right. Uh, what else? Where have we covered it all? That's all I got. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Uh, well, your 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 man uh, Jasper there from Banshee and everything. He is married to Billy Ann, who is uh, you know yes. uh, the friend of uh, of Flynn's. So I I assume you know we've seen it a little bit in these two episodes. I imagine that's probably going to play a bigger role um, down the line and everything. Jasper doesn't seem like he's hundred percent uh enthusiastic about being in this uh this little crew of of ne'er-do-wells here yeah so has he married into this crew or 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 about to be married into this crew i guess you know we don't know i think he is it was his his uncle i think oh is uh that billy ann believe i believe she says Billy's not really part of the fold but but surely corbell might see this as a as a way in the door and exploit something he can exploit sure yeah and it took it it took me a while to figure out what the hell is her job and it of course it's a 3d printing outfit so yeah yeah (laughs) right well and that yeah and they you know print up i guess the little figures for tommy's (laughs) wedding and uh she you know they print an extra one so she keeps it and then uh billy ends looking through her drawers to get clothes for her she finds it and i was like that's pretty embarrassing i think but uh. (laughs) all right well listen why don't we get to the listener feedback and hear what fred's got for us this week and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for the fairy feral season one episode one my last feedback on the Rings of Power, Wayne said something about the church bells in the background. Well, that could happen now again. Often I record Sunday mornings when everybody is still asleep and the house is all quiet. Uh, but then suddenly the church bell starts to ring because I live just across a church. But if that will happen now, I will stop my recording. There we go. So, you know, it's a quarter to ten. But in this case, I will stop my recording because when I listen back to the podcast, it's much stronger there than when I check my recording. So I just will stop and uh, record later. Okay, talking about peripheral and talking about my neighborhood because I was... going for a stroll with my youngest son in the evening two days ago and I encountered a bus stop advertisement, lights behind it, etc. of peripheral. So Amazon Prime is really also here in the Netherlands quite advertising this series. And if anybody is interested, I cannot imagine why, to see my face, you can have a look at the Facebook page because I posted a photo of that there. 
Okay, about the first episode of the peripheral. I said several times peripheral, but it's of course the peripheral. Um, it reminded me quite a little bit of Impulse, another series you podcasted about, and also the lead actress has a kind of same feeling. I wonder if you agree on that. Apart from the similarity between the actresses with the blonde hair, not too much height, and a very dark, heavy eyebrows, I think the similarity is that Henrietta, or Henry, in Impulse, didn't know what was happening to her when she had these displacements and had to find out what is really happening to her. In this case, of course, it's different with this device. But still, Flynn is also not knowing what is happening. Although I think that will change quickly in the next episode. In the peripheral, the setting of the House of the Fishers, Flynn, Burton and their mother Ella, is quite reminiscent for me to sex education, so the house of Otis and his mother Jean, and also this road that Flynn has to do on a bike with a big flashlight on the front. It's also reminiscent of the biking of Otis and his friend all the time in sex education, and even that Maeve Wiley, so the main female character in sex education, is for me a bit as a type reminiscent of as well Flynn as Henry in Impulse. Flynn is also a little bit like Autumn out of out of range. But probably I think that all women with round faces, blonde hair, bright eyes and heavy eyebrows are just alike. And the whole setting of the Avatar in the future really is reminiscent of course of the movie Avatar. And Burton's trailer reminds me a little bit of the setting of the Remancheks in Hamlet Grove. Oh gee, I just discovered by a DM message from Facebook that you are also going to do episode two and I already talked for three and a half minutes. So I will immediately stop this recording sort of for the second time and then I'm going to fill up the last two minutes with feedback for two episodes. Okay, after having watched episode two as well. After the first episode, I thought, is this going to be a puzzle like Impulse or like Dark? Or is this going to be a kind of adventure? If you just take all the information from the first episode, it feels more like a puzzle. But when you watch episode 2, it looks much more like an adventure, although there are still several things unclear. But they will be soon clearer, I think. We are just going on Flynn's journey to get clarity. And in episode 2, she already has quite some clarity, I think. What I found a little annoying, but of course that is a narrative device, is when she told her brother that she knew her mother would die. Why didn't she say that her mother also told her that she has six weeks? So that was a kind of proof that what that guy said was probably true. So as I understand it, there is a kind of data transfer possible between the future and now. And the now is nine years from now. Of course, there are still unclarities. So, for instance, Burton and his guys, what kind of tech do they have in their eyes and on their backs, etc.? Where do the cloaked cars come from? Who do they belong to? I think the guy that offered Pickett $10 million for murdering Lynn and Burton was also a present-day guy. But they obviously can send information from the future to now uh, with money transfers. 
pharmacies that get recipes for certain drugs. And of course, we want to know what this meeting of young Alita, that girl in the park with Wilf means. And why is she a child? Because the way she touched his cheek looked more like an adult than for a child. And when Mama is surviving the next four weeks, of course, we get an alternative timeline. Okay, time's up. That will be all. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Wayne, I think Fred may have misinterpreted your comment about the church bells. Um, you know, Michael, a lot of times if, if Fred records on a Sunday morning, he lives across the street from a church and we can hear these church bells. <laughs> and, and Fred, we love the church bells. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely it, don't want you not to have them, and I think they're awesome. Yeah, they're beautiful. Been very really atmospheric like for rings of for the rings of power. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, and then Fred posted uh, a picture. He was out for a walk with his son one night, and they encountered this like you know huge poster advertising the peripheral. So I guess he had his son snap a photo of him standing next to the poster which is cool i mean the 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 graphics on the poster are very cool i i, I must say so uh that's cool but the other thing that that he brings up in uh in wayne i'm curious to hear what you think he mentions the similarities with impulse which is a show that wayne and i covered you ever see that michael oh yeah okay now while henry is able to teleport in impulse uh, you know, if Fred points out, you know, obviously the visual similarities, you know, the girls are approximately the same age, even though in Impulse, uh, Henry's in high school, I believe. Yeah, and, you know, but, much younger. Right. But still, she's probably 25, the actress, when she's uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, playing it. And, and, and that they're, they're sort of so, from the same social strata as well. And, and while, you know, Flynn's abilities are not superhuman. They are, you know, limited by her ability to use the technology at her fingertips. Uh, you know, and whereas Henry can actually teleport, I, I still see the similarities. I mean, going from point A to point B, and the you know the mystery, you know, and all this. So uh, I don't know. I li- I like that comparison. I, I think the big difference is that this show is good. <laughs> oh, I loved Impulse. I did too. I think I brought. I think Impulse came to your podcast because Dave and I talked about it on Sci-Fi Fidelity. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I really Before liked that. it. I was disappointed we didn't get a third season. I mean, you know, we we see that final scene when she's in Europe. I forget whether she's in. I think she's in Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. You know, and we're like, oh, this is effing cool. And then, of course, no season three. So anyway, I, I blame you, Wayne. Um, yeah. and then as Fred points out that, you know, I mean, certainly we've been talking about it for the last hour or so. Not only do we not exactly know what's going on, Flynn really doesn't either. No, no. And so, Wilf doesn't even to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. I mean, it's like he thinks he does, <laughs> Yeah, but he, he really doesn't. Now, Fred, you forgot to provide a grade. So maybe, you know, chime in, in the Facebook group, you know, I, I, I think these are pretty strong i'm not afraid to go a minus yeah i I, you know i think i gave the 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 first episode actually just an a okay uh straight up because especially considering that it was the pilot and how successfully it 
not only did the piloty stuff, but also how it, you know, managed to actually be a really strong episode in its own right. So I, I kind of created up okay. there. Um, and then the other one, yeah, I would have to give it, a, I, I want to give episode two an A as well, but I don't want to, you know, upgrade already. So I'm going to, you know, <laughs> that's my same thought. Yeah. So you're, you're giving that one an A minus then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm the same. A, a for the first one, A minus for the second one. The only thing that doesn't make the first episode an A plus is I thought the first scene, although it was great and I enjoyed seeing it a second time. It took me out of it a little bit because the, the chrono- chronology got lost a little bit, 2099, 2100. But other than that, per- nearly perfect pilot Yeah. Uh, in terms of exposition and getting right to the action and all good stuff. Plus, I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz, who's playing Flynn, uh, Flynn is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah. She's really good. Well, uh, that that's like, brings up something like, like almost every person in this show is like, that person from that show, you know, like I, like I think the only one was the 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 lady who played um, Charisse. I recognized her from Haunting Bly Manor. I just saw her in Years and Years. She was also in Sex Education. I I forgot about that, but really, but she's the only one I straight up recognized. Everyone else, like I'm like like uh who um like Lev, like I like it was just driving me nuts i realized oh he was the dude in lost in space i remembered seeing him there but like everyone here is like they've they've been in something i've seen i'm just not you know they, they weren't like a lead or anything like so it's just kind of like i kind of remember that guy from something you know but well now uh my wife and i had seen chloe grace moretz in, in a film called clouds of silmaria which is a 2014 film that also features yeah, I, arguably the greatest female actor of our generation and wayne you of course know who that is uh would that be um summer glow no oh <laughs> good guess <laughs> the other one Kristen stewart Come oh on. Kristen stewart that's gonna be my next guess okay um <laughs> but uh, anyway fred thank you for your feedback post post what your grades are fred and and we'll uh maybe talk about that next week but yeah so i think we all agree really strong pilot really strong second episode it looks like we've got eight episodes in total one a week here on out i hope i hope they don't change their mind and uh as we've mentioned to you guys before we will be tackling 1899 uh, upon the conclusion of the peripheral which is you know of course the follow-up for uh yante frisia one of the creators of dark who's god uh, oh baron bo odar there we go um so that you know looks to be fascinating and unfortunately they're going to drop that all at once um hey real quickly before we sign out um and and this could certainly be an entire topic for a podcast you know the release model do you think netflix is going to rethink it because you know wayne you and i have talked about this and, and scott engler as mentioned it, you know, you, you subscribe to a service, you binge everything you want to watch in a month, and then you cancel the service, Yeah, which you can do under the Netflix model. But, you know, why would you not then go one a week and people have to at least keep it for three months? So, yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're starting to come around. But I was yeah. mentioning Arcane earlier. 
which the 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 actors playing Ash is in a uh, voice actor in uh, that was released three episodes at a time. So, so they didn't release them all at once. They also didn't release them one at a time. But I call this model that Prime Video is doing for peripheral the Hulu model because they were the first ones to do three episodes and then weekly after that. And that's by far my favorite. Really, uh, you know, if if I don't get one a week as a podcaster now. Uh, no, no, of course, of course. Right. But as a watcher, I like having a bunch at once. Yeah. Soak yeah. it in. Because uh, right. I judge a series by the first three episodes. Okay. I think whether for, or not I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, I think for Wayne and I, the uh, two episodes we're willing to tackle in one podcast, three is maybe. Well, no, of course, I agree yeah, with you for yeah. podcasting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, boys. Well, let's uh, call it a night. Michael, it's always a blast having you on, and, and I'm sure Thanks we'll have you on me. again in the future. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. It's great having you back again, Mike. Yep. And that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the peripheral. Anything going on in your genre TV world, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode three of the peripheral. But until then. You know, I was, Michael, I was really surprised that you, uh, you know, agreed to do this. I just, because personally, I feel that your skills and personality are being sadly wasted in this den of imbecility. <laughs> <laughs>